Grund nummer 39, 50% priskutt på bleier med A. Hos Rema 1000 satser vi alt på å gi deg Norges råeste bleikutt. 50% priskutt på alle bleistørrelser og typer. Alt fra Pampers og Libro til Level. Max fem pakker med priskutt per handletur. Bare husk å aktivere kuttet i e-appen. Rema 1000, alltid lave priser. Hello and warmly welcome to the Radical Broccoli podcast. I'm so honored to have you back. And today we're going to have a guest, Jessica Windurl. We're going to dive deep into the topic of Ayurveda, which I think is a very interesting corner of, what should you say, foundation of health and wellness. It is actually older than Chinese medicine. And I think it's so interesting how Ayurveda really puts emphasis on following the season, following nature, adapting after temperature rising or lowering and so on. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode if you are one of those people who have a bit challenges with the seasonal changes. And I think that you're going to find so many small tips and tricks that can really help your digestion, that can help understand why your energy is feeling in a certain way. And hopefully you can take away some really simple tools like tongue scraping, one of my favorite things to do. That's why we have tongue scrapers in our shop. It is so easy and literally the best immune boost ever. So yeah, I really think that this can be very, very simple but helpful and profound tips. And Jessica is an American yoga teacher who I met in Core Balance back in the day. I went to her classes and she is just incredibly knowledgeable and she's also Ayurveda yoga therapist and she currently lives in Hemsala and she has her own yoga school, founder of Atman Yoga School and the host of One Sacred Pause podcast. And she is currently writing a book that is pre-sale about holistic living and how to balance your life with Ayurveda. And Jessica is also coming in the membership the 4th of May already. And we're going to have in the membership opportunity to take two different tests. So you will figure out a lot about yourself and then have the possibility to have Jessica there for you to tell you how you can optimize your health, which I think is just so incredibly cool. And if you are a member, of course, it's available for you. And if you're not a member, you can do a drop-in. And I just highly recommend this session for anybody who just isn't feeling their best and has a nudge that there could be some small things that can really, really have a positive impact on your health. But first, I just wanted to listen to the episode, take it all in and enjoy and let me know, as always, what you think and if you have any feedback. Thank you so much. All right. Well, today we have a beautiful guest on the podcast and we're going to talk about how we can find more balance in our life uh, using, I think, one of the most ancient systems there is. And I'm so excited to dive deeper into this. Warmly welcome, Jessica. So honored to have you here today. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to join you and to have this conversation about Ayurveda. I'm so excited as well. And yeah, Ayurveda, is, I feel like it's a topic that 
there's so much info about, yet I find it kind of a little bit complicated to learn about. So I'm so excited for you to explain it in a way we can all understand. And before we jump in, I just want to say congratulations because you just wrote and finished writing a book on the topic as well. Yes, thank you. A labor of love for sure. Yeah. So what inspired you to make this book? So it's a book on Ayurveda and holistic living and how we can ease ourselves into incorporating this very beautiful and you're correct, ancient wisdom tradition into our lifestyle as modern humans. And there's so much wisdom around this. And it's really based on the rhythms of nature. And the way in which we find balance in our lives is tapping into the wisdom of nature. And that allows us to then kind of calibrate our life in a way that makes sense for us from a health perspective, a well-being perspective. But we also can't forget that we're modern humans and we live in a very busy, often sometimes chaotic time. And so how do we bridge these two ideas of like, okay, we're, we have bills to pay and we have children to raise and we have jobs to go to. And yet still, many of us are searching for a more balanced state in our life where we feel grounded, yet also light and joyful. And Ayurveda really gives us the key to how we can accomplish that. So for me, writing this book was about sharing the wisdom of Ayurveda, but in a way that hopefully is really accessible and can make sense for people and is easy enough to use that it's not just like this esoteric ancient philosophy that really has no bearing on our modern lifestyle. It's like, actually, it's very relevant. And I use Ayurveda every single day in my life. I have for the past 16 years since I started practicing Ayurveda. And I teach a lot of Ayurveda and a lot of yoga. And the comment that you made about like, well, I feel like I've seen it everywhere, but I don't really fully understand what it's about is something that I hear a lot of from my students where Ayurveda is very intriguing and it's very interesting if you're on a journey of self-healing and self-awareness. And yet so many of the books about Ayurveda that are available are written in a very dry manner, like very difficult to comprehend. And if we don't see ourselves reflected in the book that we're reading about Ayurveda or in the material that we're trying to learn about Ayurveda, then we're kind of like, oh, it sounds cool, but I don't get it. Mm. So that was the motivation for me to write this book is how can this wisdom, which is for everybody, how can it be made a bit easier to digest and understand and then integrate into your daily life? Mm. So that was it. And I guess the short answer, I'm obsessed with Ayurveda. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shows your passion is glowing through. And I just got a sneak peek of the cover as well. And it's just so beautiful. I'm curious, actually. So when you say you started practicing Ayurveda 16 years ago, what does that look like, that shift from not practicing to practicing Ayurveda? It started with, as I was learning about Ayurveda on my own, before I was doing trainings and getting certified and things like that, a lot of Ayurveda is based in our self-care rituals and our daily routines. And so that's sort of the starting point. We think about if we're trying to shift our focus and our awareness into a space of balance and contentment, whether you're talking about from like a yogic perspective or an Ayurvedic perspective or just a holistic well perspective, we always start with the thing that's the most accessible to us, the most obvious to us, and that would be our physical body. So we can't calm the mind, we can't calm the heart until our physical body and the needs of our body have been taken care of. 
So Mm -hmm. the starting point in Ayurveda, and this is a lot of what my book is about, is uh, the daily rituals. So things like using your tongue scraper, drinking hot lemon water in the morning, using a dry brush to stimulate circulation and exfoliate the skin. And so it's things that we can start today, like right now doing, and they will improve our well-being and our sense of well-being. And so that's where I was starting. I've always been really, really interested in natural skincare, clean beauty. And so for me, when I found Ayurveda, I was like, it was just one more thing that was already in my interest. And so you start with things like that, taking care of the body, and then you move into more of the habit shifts. So things like what time you go to bed, what time you wake up, what time you eat your biggest meal of the day, and really taking care of the needs like your sleep, your diet, your energy level. Like Ayurveda is a lot about how do we manage our energy so that we don't get burnt out, so that we don't hit the wall. And for each and every one of us, this is the real beauty of Ayurveda. It's going to be individual. Like our needs are very different. So my sleep needs, my diet needs are going to be very different from yours, for example. And so Ayurveda teaches us how to evaluate like what our individual needs are. And so the end goal of yoga is meditation, if I learned correctly. And so Ayurveda, how can we describe it? Is it kind of like a system to create a healthy body so we can sit in meditation? I mean, how can we like simply understand what this whole big word is? Yeah, I mean, that's the question, right? So I can give you the Ayurvedic answer. And then I can give you more of like the modern interpretation. So because I don't want people listening to this podcast to get scared off and be like, oh my gosh, it's this heavy practice that's all about self-inquiry. And that is a big part of Ayurveda later on. Like, so mm-hmm. Ayurveda says that the main goal of practicing everything, and this includes mantra, this includes our use of herbs and supplements, this includes our yoga practice, this includes our meditation, uh, includes chanting. Like there's all this stuff that does get wrapped up into Ayurveda as well. But Ayurveda says that the main goal, if we were to say there was one, is to find a remembrance of our own true nature and our own true nature being our soul, our Atman, that truest essence of who we are when we peel away our external identifiers. So that's very similar to the concepts of yoga, the ultimate goals of yoga, which is, like you said, meditation. So calming the mind so that we can listen to our own inner wisdom or our own voice. And and Ayurveda says the same thing, but Ayurveda is just a more robust system, I would say, than yoga even in terms of how we come at it. Because I would say as a yoga teacher that yoga is more about the yoga asana, the movement of the body. It's about the pranayama, the breath work. And then it's about moving into the more subtle and refined layers of our mind and our emotions so that we get to meditation. But what happens when we get to meditation? Well, that's when we find that connection with our true essence. And Ayurveda says exactly the same thing. However, Ayurveda is also looking at all these other things in our life, like our routines, our relationships, our emotional intelligence, our diet. So it's just like an expansion of yoga that also includes yoga. Wow. Because I think my first meeting with Ayurveda, I was in Sri Lanka. It's really place. Yeah. Yes. And there was this pharmacy where it was said to be this one man who could touch your pulse and figure out what kind of different dosha types you had and if it was out of balance, any of them were out of balance and so on. And I remember him saying to me that I had so much fire and (laughs) then he gave me some herbs and this and that so I could balance it out. 
And I also had this beautiful massage in Sri Lanka where you used a lot of oil, a lot of oils coming on your third eye. Completely different to what we're used to here. So this is kind of like the small drips I've had. And so I'm curious how, let's start with the dosha types and like how do we figure out what in the Ayurvedic system is meant for us or not? Yeah, that's a really good place to start. So even before that, I like to start with talking about the five elements of the universe and nature, because these are the building blocks of everything in our world. And from those five elements, we then distill it down to the three doshas. And technically speaking, when we practice Ayurvedic medicine, which you are correct, it is the oldest medicinal system in the world, actually, older than traditional Chinese medicine, which surprises people, but it's a well-being and medicinal system. And we use the qualities of the five elements to balance ourselves out. Now, in practicality, we're going to look at the doshas specifically. So for us in our life, it'll be the doshas. So in practicality, we're actually going to look at the three doshas to help us make sense of balancing our life. So the five elements, we have earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And they move from the grossest, most densest vibration to the earth element, to the most stable, all the way up to the lightest vibration, we could say, with the ether or space. So from those five elements, we break it down to the three doshas. And we have the first dosha we talk about is vata. And vata dosha is a combination of the air and ether elements. And so what this means for us is the qualities of air and ether will be reflected through the nature outside and also reflected within ourselves. So qualities of air and ether, we can talk about lots of movement, can be unstable, wind, dark, cold, dry. So somebody who has a lot of vata energy in them is going to exhibit some of these same types of energies. So a vata person is going to be very enthusiastic. They probably talk with their hands. They're maybe moving around a lot. They're constantly on the go and when they're in balance, a Vata person is incredibly creative. They like to make things. They're artists, they're musicians, they are playwrights. And out of balance, a Vata person is going to seem really chaotic or unstable or distracted. And we use some of the terms in our vocabulary actually really describe Vata, like space cadet or space case. You're really spacey. No, no, I'm blanking on some of the other ones. This feeling and sensation of being really ungrounded that's vata out of balance. So we can all see vata in ourselves. And I'd like to come back and explain how we all have vata, especially right now in our modern society. But then we have the pitta dosha. And the pitta dosha is a combination of the fire and water elements. And as you experienced in Sri Lanka, pitta people, usually you can tell very quickly because that fire element is burning so brightly in them that it can manifest in ways such as Pitta people are very ambitious, determined, focused, organized. They also, out of balance, might be um, prone to anger or have problems with their digestion in terms of too much heat. So they can't have diarrhea or have loose stool or burning stool and can sometimes be irrational or workaholics when out of balance. And then we get to the Kappa dosha and Kappa is a combination of the two heaviest elements we have now are to earth and water. And Kappa people are sweet, slow moving, a little bit not so bothered. Like they're not in a rush. They're not super 
worried or concerned about what's happening, not in a bad way, but just in a like, they're just moving at their own pace. And they're very kind hearted and very compassionate people by nature. And when they are out of balance, however, they can be prone to stagnancy and lethargy. So not leaving their house, they get too attached to their routines and too attached to their material goods and too attached to their creature comfort. So this is really like things related to the home and food. And so when we have a general overview of the three doshas, and I'm giving a very, very quick, very brief overview, we can probably start to see ourselves a little bit in some of these descriptions or see the people that we love, our friends and our family, or even coworkers in these descriptions. And it's important to note that all of us have all three of these doshas present. However, we're going to have them in varying degrees. So some people are going to have more vata and less kapha. Some people are going to have more kapha and then pitta and then nova or very little vata. So this is where the basic premise of Ayurveda comes into play, which is that we're going to treat the bio-individual when we're looking to find health and balance. And so what that means is, as I mentioned before, my bio-individuality is going to be different than yours or somebody else or my husband. And so when we're looking to create health and balance through our diet, our routines, our self-care, we actually can't really compare ourselves to other people because if we try to match somebody else's version of true health for them, we actually might even be pulling ourselves out of balance. Mm. So we want to just stay in our lane. We want to just focus on what's happening in our life and who we are and what our natural thoughts, habits, and behaviors are if our goal is to find sustainable health and well-being. That's so interesting. And I think that goes for a lot of things in life that we're so used to looking around us and looking to compare us with everybody else to kind of find the answers to things. But we're all so incredibly different and unique. So it doesn't exactly exactly work. And that's one of the reasons I love Ayurveda so much is because I think there's a lot of freedom in Mm. being given permission to be yourself and being able to really just focus on your experience and what do you want your life to look like? And what's so true when we compare ourselves to other people, almost inevitably, we're going to end up experiencing some kind of suffering or some kind of discontent. This is a big practice in yoga that we try not to compare ourselves to other people because we understand that it's all just a distraction. It's all just an illusion. And the goal is to find contentment within rather than striving for something that we're never going to find. If we're always looking outside ourselves for answers or looking outside ourselves for peace, we're always going to be let down. We're always going to feel like something's wrong with us because we're not getting to that place where we think we should be. So that's what I love about Ayurveda. And really, I think that's an important message to tell people about Ayurveda is like, it's about you. (laughs) It's not about what your friend is doing or your mom is doing. It's about you and your journey. Exactly. And how do we start to figure out ourselves? (laughs) What is it that I need? How do I figure out what type I am? You know, how do you get started with all of this? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the ideal answer would be like you had an opportunity to do when you were in Sri Lanka. So going to an Ayurvedic doctor is the best way. An Ayurvedic doctor will take a very global look at your health. They will ask you a lot of personal questions. So they're going to look at your 
tongue. They're going to look at your eyes. They're going to look at your fingernail beds. They are going to ask you about your current routines. They're going to ask you about your sleep habits. What happens when you go to the toilet? If you're a female, what your cycle is like. And they're going to gather all this information to help them make an assessment about, we use this word procrity, which is, that would be your most balanced baseline, we could say, that's determined when at the point of conception. And so that's what we're striving to get to. So say, for example, me, I'm mainly a Vata type. So at my dad's sperm and my mom's egg connected, my doshic prakriti was created. And so I was given a higher percentage of Vata and then my secondary dosha is Pitta. And then I have very little Kappa. So mm-hmm. that's not going to change throughout my life. What is going to change is what's called Vikriti. And so these are our temporary imbalances. This can be anything from we had a bad night of sleep to we ate the wrong food and got food poisoning all the way up to allergies, colds, the flu, and then even further to chronic illness, such as diabetes, autoimmune disease, uh, cancer. So all of that is pulling us away from what our most balanced state of health could be. Mm -hmm. So I'm explaining this because when you go to an Ayurvedic doctor, they are going to, first of all, try and evaluate your property. And so when you got your pulse read, that's Mm -hmm. one of the things they were looking at. And there's three layers in your pulse that they read the Vata pulse, the Pitta pulse, and the Kappa pulse. And then they also simultaneously can start to pick up on the imbalances, the current imbalances or the vikritis that you have. So the best way is an Ayurvedic doctor. Now, many of us don't have an opportunity to see somebody like that. If you're traveling abroad, maybe you can find somebody. I do know in Norway that of two Ayurvedic doctors, there's one in Trondheim, And then there's another one who I've not been to who travels around Norway. I think she's in Oslo like once every one or two months. And so I've had students of mine go to her. But if we don't have that opportunity, then the next best way is going to be you can take a quiz online. That's usually probably how we're going to do it. And then continuing to learn about Ayurveda so that we can really try and to the best of our ability at least become more aware of where we're out of balance. And Mm. this is maybe not an answer people like to hear because it's like, no, just tell me what's going on. Who am I? What am I? And Mm. that's hard to do unless you've had very in-depth years-long training. I will say I do have an online dosha quiz that is available as part of my book sales, and it will be on my website very soon, my atmanyogaschool.com website. So if people are just looking for like their first entry into which dosha type am I, then they could go to my website and take that quiz or Google dosha quizzes online. Mm, Amazing. So what are some of the typical lifestyle changes that people make from a little I know of Ayurveda? I feel like they focus a lot on digestion. Yes. And a lot about, same as in Chinese medicine, actually a lot about eating warm foods. I don't know if that's for all types or not. And I know it's also a lot about adapting to the different seasons. You need different type of foods. And then, yeah, like I said, tongue scraping, like there's so much. But what are some of the common things that people start to shift when they come more into this? Yeah, well, I love that you mentioned like the shifting seasons. So Ayurveda is teaching us to really look at the nature around us and see what's happening as the seasons change. And then that gives us information about how we can be shifting our routines or what we're eating. So we'll start with the Kappa time of year. We're in the Kappa time right now, the late winter, early spring, moving towards summer. 
when everything's starting, the snow is starting to melt, the world is starting to wake up again after this hibernation phase. And so this is the time of year where we're going to be more prone in general, everybody, but people who have a primary Cappadocia will be most at risk, if we wanted to say that, of getting out of balance with Coppa is there can be this sense of stagnancy, this sense of lethargy, the sense of like moving slow as we kind of reemerge after the long winter. And so when we're feeling this kind of like heavy energy or this kind of unmotivated energy, then it's really important to get going. And so this is one of the two pretty fundamental teachings of yoga is we balance through the use of opposites. So that's like how all of us can start to incorporate just like general energetic Ayurvedic awareness into our life is really starting to check in with like, how am I feeling in this moment? What's my energy like? Am I feeling really ungrounded and chaotic? Am I feeling really heavy and unmotivated? Or am I feeling really fired up? Like I want to go aggressive, go forward. And when we start to just feel those energies, then we could be like, ah, I see. Interesting. I might be having a vata imbalance right now or a kapha imbalance or a pitta. So this time of year right now in the kapha time of year, like I said, that feeling of perhaps just being like slow to get going and the sun is coming out and many of us are like getting excited and we're like, oh yeah, I can't wait to go like do stuff. And the days are longer, but there's this residual feeling of heaviness. And so in order to balance that out, we are going to try and have our most energetic practices. So this is the time of year when you should really be going for long runs. You should be going to the gym. You should be sweating. You should be moving, go to the sauna, sweat it out. This is the time of year when you should really be eating light food, but also heating food. So not necessarily warm, like some of the food can be warm, but I'm talking more like spice it up, go eat your spicy Indian curry, have your ginger tea, use a lot of black pepper and chilies and things in your cooking and your food. And that's going to stimulate that heavy earth element to kind of wake up and get going. And then ultimately flush out. That's the water element of kapha. So we want to break up that stagnant energy and then flush it out of our bodies and minds and hearts so that we feel balanced. We feel light. We feel good. Then we move into the pitta time of year, which is the summer, which makes sense because that's the hottest time of the year. And that's really the when the fire element is strongest. So this is the time of year where we can shift our routines a little bit to try and find things that are more cooling and more playful. The pitta energy is all about being in the head. It's very analytical. It's very critical. And so we want to try and balance the pitta by getting out of the head and into the heart. And we do that by being playful, by allowing ourselves maybe to be a beginner at something, allowing ourselves to be silly and tell jokes and do things that are just fun for the sake of being fun without there being a goal attached to it. And so during the pitta time of year, we want to be very careful to minimize spicy food and to not eat things that are too heating for our body. And so this is when we can be putting slicing up cucumber and putting fresh mint in our water. This is when we can be cooking with herbs that are going to be a bit more cooling, like fennel. This is also when we could be cooking with like coconut oil instead of butter. So very simple things to start doing. And of course, in the pizza time of year, stay out of the sun in the middle of the day. <laughs> that was hard because we have such long days here in Norway. And yeah, I want you know, the sun. <laughs> yeah. And we miss the sun. Right. And it's like, we want to go for these big hikes and we want to go enjoy nature and be outside. But if we're outside in the middle of the day in the pitta time of year, and especially if we have a dominant pitta dosha, then we're more likely to experience some of the imbalances of pitta, which could lead to 
anger, burnout, overly critical, very judgmental. And then of course, problems with the digestion, which I can come back to in a second. And so interesting. Yeah. It's just like our main goal, our main mission is to really become aware of the energy around us and what the earth and what nature is telling us. I mean, it's so intuitive in the wisdom of nature is so intuitive. And as humans, we have these huge egos and we think we decide everything in the universe. We're in control of everything, which is such a joke because we're in control of nothing. Mm -hmm. But when we listen to the wisdom of nature, we can use that to our advantage. We can use that and harness that to help us find more peace and balance within ourselves. So then we move into the Vata time of year. And so this is kind of the fall moving into early winter. And when we look outside, we see what's happening this time of year. Of course, it's getting darker. It's getting colder. It's getting windier. Everything's kind of like shriveling up and dying. All the leaves are falling off the trees. And so that's a reflection of what's also happening within us and our bodies and our energy. And Mm -hmm. so this is the time of year where it's so important to really focus on slowing down. So we're trying to balance out the air and ether, this variable energy. We're trying to balance that with the heaviness of the earth and the water elements. So we want to slow down. We want to really eat warm, nourishing foods. So oatmeal, grut, perfect for breakfast. Put some butter on that ghee, mix it up with some cinnamon and some cardamom, warm spices. And then we can eat root vegetables. Everything should be cooked according to Ayurveda during the Vata time of year for Vata people just making sure that things are warm, nourishing, and heavy foods, avoiding stimulants like coffee, sugar, things that are going to ramp up our nervous system, which will further aggravate the vata. And then as you said, one of the most important, stay warm. You've got to have your sweater. You've got to have your socks on. You've got to have your hat on and try to avoid the wind as much Mm -hmm. as possible. I actually had some questions because I know that I'm mainly pizza and then Vata, I guess is the second one, and then Kafa. And every single year, when I'm in Norway, it only happens here, I have such a hard time with exactly the transition from winter to spring. Like every spring, I feel so bad. And I've always thought it was because I have uh, seasonal allergies or something like this. But when you describe it, it's like you feel so heavy and you feel lethargic. And I think a lot of people really, really feel like that right now even though it's like you're happy it's sunshine and you're supposed to be get more energy, but it's very, very strange. So since it's the season right now, wondering if you can explain a bit more about that as you touched briefly upon earlier. Yeah. And it is interesting too, because as when we look outside at the nature and the snow melts and everything gets very wet, you know, we get that smell of the fresh earth and the flowers are coming out and blooming and the birds are beginning to chirp and really the nature starting to wake up. And that's beautiful. That's very inspiring. Like this is the creative potential of the universe. And what I mean by that is it's the birth or rebirth. And that's the beginning of everything in the universe and in our own lives, of course, when we are physically born, but then once every year in the springtime too, it is this like rebirth process. Mm-hmm. And so even though sunnier out and we feel like excited looking forward to what's coming. We're no longer in the dark. There is this heaviness. And oftentimes what can happen too is it's an accumulation of this energy where we, during the Vata time before that, when we are being slower, when we are being quieter, hopefully we are being a bit more reflective and our routines have become quieter, meaning that like maybe we're not socializing as much. Although I know in December, of course, 
there's tons of parties and people are out with Yulaboard and all this stuff. But Ayurvedically speaking, the Vata time of year during the winter is when we should be at home. We should be going to bed earlier. We should be having this very cozy home life that allows us to rest. And that's a huge part of it. So if we were following this Ayurvedic protocol of really being quiet at home, resting, taking care of ourselves in a more, in a slower way, I guess, then it makes sense that as we move into the Kapha time of year, we've held on to that energy. And now it's to the point where it's too heavy. So we have Mm. to somehow shed and release that energy. Mm. This is also why Kapha is really about food as well. And so many people during the Kapha time of year or moving towards the Kapha time of year. So for the late winter, before we move into the spring, this is usually when people start to put weight on a little bit. They're out of their routines. Maybe they are being cozy at home and they're not going to the gym every day like they normally do. Maybe they're going to all their parties. I don't know. And so it's very common for people to, as they come into and out of the Kapha season, to notice that they've put weight on or to be more relaxed with how they are eating. So maybe they're getting into less optimal habits and Kappa really guides or governs, I guess, especially the taste of sweet. So Kappa and Kappa people really like to eat sweets, pasta, dairy, things like comfort food. So then we're eating food perhaps that isn't as ideal for the time of year that we're in. So to shift that, what we want to do is make sure that we're eating things that are light. So this would be salads. This is the time of year to eat your salads, to have lots of fresh veggies, fresh fruits. And this is also where it's a little tricky in Norway because Ayurveda teaches that we should be eating fresh fruit that's in season and that's organic. Mm -hmm. And whenever I talk about food, and especially in relation to Ayurveda, I always want to give kind of this gentle disclaimer that we do the best we can. We can't change everything about our lifestyle all at once. And if we don't have access to certain things, whether that's our self-care products or our food, or we kind of fall off the wagon, to, so to speak, and we like we start with good routines and then we backslide a little bit and then we start again, Ayurveda is very welcoming and it's very compassionate. And so the idea is not to set yourself up with these very rigid expectations of how you eat or you exercise or you take care of your self-care routines. It's really about just this invitation to perhaps notice where you can upgrade a little bit, where you can have more optimal routines occasionally. So you shouldn't feel bad about your life. You should feel joyful about your life. And when we're talking about food specifically and then digestion, the question you asked about, I want to touch on, we do the best we can. And maybe one day we're really, we feel good. Like we've eaten the correct foods for the season and for our dosha. And then maybe the next day we go to a party or we are... For example, me, when I travel so much for work, I get out of my routines very easily. And then I often have to eat, you know, I'm flying all these places and I'm on trains. And so I often have to eat food from the gas stations or from the airport. And Ayurveda would say, cut yourself some slack here. If you generally have good routines, then it's okay to deviate from those. It's okay to not be so strict all the time. So coming back to the food though, for Kappa, So this is the time of year we want to have a lot of stimulating spices in our food, peppers, chilies, things that are going to fire up the digestive fire. And in Ayurveda, we call this Agni. And when we stimulate the digestive fire, that's going to help us break through maybe that extra layer of fat that we accumulated over the winter when we were hibernating. (laughs) It's going to help us get our energy levels going. It's going to help us feel a bit more motivated. So the 
in the COPPA time of year, this is actually when we should try to be, I would say, strictest with ourselves. But I don't mean, you know, I want to be careful with the word strict. We want to be strict with ourselves where we need to push ourselves a little bit more to stay motivated because it's easy to just like, oh, you know what? There's like my new show came out on Netflix. I'm just going to stay home and chill tonight when maybe it would be better for our bodies and our energy to make ourselves leave the house, go to that vinyasa yoga class, go to the sauna, take a dip in the ocean or the fjord. So sometimes we have to like, just kind of push ourselves and be like, okay, this is what I'm doing today. I'm going for it. And doing that with our diet as well, where we're like, okay, you know what? I feel better when I'm eating food that is not making me feel more heavy or more tired. And so, yeah, just having fresh fruits and veggies. This is the season. This is the best time. Although, as I said, in Norway, sometimes that's tricky. <laughs> in Hempstead, we still have like four feet of snow on the ground out here. Yeah. <laughs> you can eat potatoes all year, but <laughs> there's not so yeah, much. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, that's interesting. And when it comes to digestion, is there anything that's general for all types or is it very different here as well? Uh, yeah, it's different. Food, like new habits we can have. Yeah, so I'll just give a quick overview about this. One last thing I want to say about the kapha time of year, though, that's really good. The kapha time of year, we tend to get in or it's easier to get into routines that are just like the same every day because they're comfortable and kapha energy is all about being comfortable. So I really encourage people listening during this time of year, push yourself outside your comfort zone. So vary your routine, take a different, when you're get off the tram and you're walking home, walk home a different way, like not the same road you always take. Maybe go try something new you've never done before, whether that's like a dance class or a painting class, or just give yourself this opportunity to not stay stuck in a rut. That can be the downfall of the COPPA time of year. You just get in a rut. Okay, but coming to the digestion, this is so interesting. So Ayurveda says that the key to all health is digestion. So if we have good digestion, then we could even ingest poison and it wouldn't affect us that badly. I mean, of course, depending on what kind of poison it is, but good digestion is the cornerstone of everything in Ayurveda. So we yeah. call this, again, Agni. This is the digestive fire in the gut. This is governed by Pitta. And the three doshas do have different Agni types. And so there is some kind of like general guidelines we can follow for each of the three doshas. Vata, they have the lowest Agni. So their fire burns the smallest. And what this means is that it's actually harder for Vata people to digest their food. And so when it's harder to digest food or if we're eating the wrong types of food for our body, then that's going to lead to things like bloating, gas, constipation. These are like the three things Vata people often suffer from or um, just a lot of digestive issues. And Vata people, everybody kind of gets bummed by what I'm about to say here. <laughs> Vata people actually, well, this, this is across the board, but Vata in particular, the smoothie is a combination of so many different energy types in the food. If you have berries and you have supplements and then you have maybe some veggies thrown in there, you have spinach or kale, and then you throw ice in there. Ice is a huge no-no in Ayurveda across the board. Cold drinks are a huge no-no across the board. But for a Vata person in particular, having a smoothie, there's just so many different competing energetics in that one drink. And especially if it's cold, that it will confuse the digestive fire and actually smother it, put it out. Meaning that your body's going to be so confused. It's not going to know, like, what do I do with the smoothie you just drank? Like, I'm not sure how to digest it. 
And it's the same thing with raw food. Raw food has so much fiber and it's very difficult for the body to break down. And so for lots of people who don't have the strength of fire to break down the raw food, it's just going to sit in the gut and then start to spoil, start to turn rotten in your gut before it has a chance to move into the small intestine and move towards the colon. So Vata people rule of thumb, you should always have your food lightly cooked in some form or fashion. That's what we call that like the pre-digestion of the food so that when you eat it, the Vata digestion has a chance to like actually break it down and assimilate it or use it in the way it needs to, or send the waste products to where that needs to go. So that's kind of a bummer. So many Vata people are like, I love to eat my healthy smoothies and my raw food and my raw salads. And, you know, but I will say too, it and especially in the Vata season, like that's a huge no-no in the winter because everything I'm saying in this podcast, the ultimate test though, is how your body feels, how your bio-individuality responds to these different recommendations from Ayurveda. So if you're like, oh, I'm a total Vata and I have my smoothies every morning during the winter and I feel fine. That's great. Keep doing what you're doing. But in general, this is how most people will respond. And then we have pitta and pitta, the fire element, and pittas have the strongest digestion. So pittas, I always joke, they're the people who get hangry. Like they have to eat regular meals. They have to have snacks. They have to always have food with them because their digestion moves so quickly and their metabolism is so high. And so if they don't get their food, they're going to let you know. (laughs) And so that's great. They can burn through food quicker than the other two doshas. So pitta people can absolutely have raw food. There's no problem for them with that. Smoothies still are a no-no according to Ayurveda, but their body might be able to handle it better. And so pittas, what they experience in their digestion is going to be, as I mentioned a little earlier, more of burning sensation. So they're going to have loose stool. They're going to have diarrhea, maybe even burning urine that can happen as well. And also as a reminder, we are talking about a medicinal system. Ayurveda goes very, very, very in depth into every part of the body and how the body works. And so we talk about things like poop and we talk about waste products like sweat and earwax. And it's all just tools to help us get more information about the health of our body. And in particular, I want to say this before going on to Kappa as well. I find it really fascinating that in our modern world, we are so obsessed with food and cookbooks and every celebrity has a cookbook. There's a million cooking shows on Netflix and we love to talk about food and we love to try new food and cook food, but it's considered like bad behavior, bad form to talk about what happens to that food after we eat it. Like you don't talk about your bathroom habits. You don't talk about your digestion. You don't talk about the quality of your elimination. And in Ayurveda, it's like, okay, well, we, we were missing half of the whole scenario here, half of the whole situation. And so Ayurveda, we very much look at what comes out of the body. You look in the toilet every morning after you go to the bathroom, you look at the quality of your feces. Like, is it hard? Is it soft? Is it bubbly? Is it fermented? Is there a smell? Is it sink to the bottom of your toilet? Does it float in the water? Because we can't see the inside of our body. We can only see what's on the outside and what comes out of it. And so when we want to be as balanced and healthy as possible without going to get an x-ray or going to the doctor, this is the only way we're going to see some idea of what's happening inside our body. So sometimes people are a little shocked. They're like, oh my gosh, you're talking so gross. I'm like, well, but it makes sense here. (laughs) The food has to go somewhere. And so then we can get to the kapha digestion and kapas have 
They have kind of a medium burning Agni fire, but again, Kappa is characterized by sluggish, like slow moving. And so even though they have a medium fire, their digestion is going to be quite slow. And this is like maybe the sensation of being full for hours and hours and hours after you've eaten a meal. And then it's mealtime again, and you eat anyways, even though technically you're not hungry because your body is taking so long to move the food through your digestive tract. And kappas also are the ones most likely to overeat. They really, really enjoy their food, which no problem with that, but you do have to know where your limit is. Ayurveda says that overeating is one of the most dangerous things for our health overall, because when we overeat, again, our digestive fire gets smothered, putting it out so it can't work optimally. And then also it's confusing our body because all of the blood and energy and resources of our body are being sent to the stomach to try and digest. That's why you get tired after you eat a big meal or you eat a meal that's confusing to your body. And so that's the opposite of what we'd like to have happen. So kappa people just have to be very, very careful to have smaller portions in their meals so that they can have that feeling of lightness rather than just being like, oh my God, I'm so heavy because they already have that sensation of heaviness because of the dominant kappa dosha. And so for them, their elimination is going to be a bit more. This is the person who takes the magazine, or I guess now would just be the phone, (laughs) takes their phone into the bathroom and is going to be there for like 30 minutes. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I think it's so true. Like even when you go to a doctor, for example, in Western society or in Norway, they don't exactly ask you these things that are so vital. Like, what do you eat? How does it look when it comes out? And this can tell you literally so much about our health. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why this is so great with Ayurveda is these are very easy ways for us just as householders of people living our lives in a modern society to start to learn more about it and then use it every day in your life. Like you can start tongue scraping today. You can start looking at your poop today. (laughs) You can start drinking more water today. And what I love about Ayurveda too is that for me anyways, my experience was it really shifted my motivation. Before that, when I was in my early 20s and even though I was really interested in like a natural lifestyle, I was still a young girl basically. And I was very influenced by what I saw celebrities doing in magazines. And I wanted to be thin. I wanted to look a certain way. And so that dictated a lot of my habits more so than now my motivation is to be healthy and happy. And Mm -hmm. so that's what's dictating my choices. And so even when Ayurveda has kind of these suggestions and rules and here's how you do it, it's still very loving in its presentation. Mm -hmm. And we can really start to become our own healers. And now, of course, if we have a serious illness or we have something bigger going on, we need to go to a Western doctor. But just in general, in our daily life, starting to become aware of our energy and becoming aware of how our body responds to shifts in energy is really useful, I think. And that's Mm -hmm. motivating for a lot of us who are on this journey of wellness. Like, that's what keeps us excited and going and interested. Yeah. And when you see the results, there's no better feeling than when you actually do this simple shifts and you can feel more energized. Your body starts to look different. You just have this extra glow because you have more life force energy, basically. That's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. And in Ayurveda, we call that ojas. That's your healthy energy. That's your radiant energy that shines out when you are balanced, when you feel good, when you're healthy. And that's the goal, I think, for us right now is 
we're not going to be able to like know every imbalance that's happening in our body, but just in a general frame, how am I feeling? When I get too little sleep, how do I feel? How is my digestion affected? When I eat the right food, so this is also something that I really love that's kind of important of note. So the way in which we know we ate the right food for our dosha and for the season is after a meal, we should feel light, energized, and satisfied. So if we feel heavy, like we want to go take a nap, we're tired, or we need to get a cup of coffee because we're tired, or we're still craving something like, hmm, I still need something. Maybe I need like a bite of chocolate, or maybe I need something else. That's an indication that it wasn't the right combination of food for our body. And the food is tricky. The food is very tricky at some point because it's also, then we can get into like the, probably not on this podcast, but then we get into the six tastes and we get into the pre-digestive effect, post-digestive effect of our food and, and how do we balance all of that. But just starting to notice if you feel good after you eat a meal, great, keep doing that. If you're mm. feeling heavy or you feel like you need coffee or you feel like you need something else to eat, then maybe tweak, don't eat that meal again, tweak it somehow. Yeah, it's like one meal. It doesn't hurt you forever. So we can all, <laughs> you know, make a better choice the next day. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, I think it's so interesting because... Most of our traditional meals, if you look at Christmas, Easter, I always like picture everybody around the table feeling so stuffed, so heavy. It's almost like we think this is how we're supposed to feel after eating. And for me, it's like I've avoided that last year because I think it's the worst feeling in the world where you're like so full that you just have to sleep. But it's almost like in a twisted way, it's become the tradition of like, this is how a good meal is <laughs> supposed to make you feel. Oh. Exactly. And it's very, very hard on your body mm. when you overeat even just one meal. And then the very worst thing, this is written in all like so many ancient yogic texts. It's taught in Ayurveda. This is from the yoga and Ayurveda tradition. The worst thing you could do would be to eat a big meal and then lay down and take a nap you are really confusing your body. They don't know, okay, is it sleep time? Is it digestion time? And neither of them are going to be good. You're not going to have good sleep. You're not going to have good digestion. And the best thing you can do after you eat a meal, whether it's a heavy one or just your regular meal, the best thing you can do is go for a 20 minute gentle walk, eat your meal, and then go for like a nice little walk. And that's going to keep the circulation in your body going. That's going to keep the blood flow in your body going. And it's going to really aid your digestion so that it moves quicker. And the goal is to have the Agni, the digestive fire, burn really bright when you're eating your meal. And then we want it to kind of simmer down when you're not eating so that you're not burning extra resources or energy when they're not needed. So mm. learning to kind of like fire up the Agni and then dampen it down, fire up the Agni and then damp it down mm. is one of the things that Ayurveda teaches us. So go take a walk after your meal, like after you have your dinner, walk around. And, and another thing that can be helpful or useful for people when thinking about how to change something easily in their life. Although I guess I'm going to use easily in air quotes, mm -hmm. because if you have a lot of after work obligations or you have children, this one's really tricky. The goal with Ayurveda is you want your biggest meal to be lunchtime, actually. So you have an okay breakfast and then you have your biggest meal at lunch because that's when the pitta energy is the strongest. So that means your digestion is going to be the strongest. And is this for all types? All types. Yes. And then your dinner should be just kind of a smaller meal and it should be earlier, which Norway does great, you know, dinner when we yeah. usually have dinner, like at four or whatever, unless you're going out or you're doing this or that. But in general, if you have an early dinner, although I guess a lot of people in Norway then have their evening snack or evening food. 
<laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> um, if you were just to have three meals a day, then you have your dinner and it would be lighter so that your body's prepared for sleep. And sleep is so important because that's when our body regenerates. And that's when all of the detoxification processes in the body are taking place. So if we get poor sleep and we don't get enough of it, then our digestion is going to be messed up. It's just a cascade of a domino effect that everything that is less optimal than it could be. And so with our food, having your biggest meal at lunch would be the goal. Again, though, I know in Norway, sometimes that's hard when lunch is maybe half an hour and everybody just packs Proshiva. Like we just yeah. can think about that. And maybe there's some ways to make yourself a nice, big, warm stew and then pack that and take that to lunch or something. Mm. Yeah. Tastes so much better too. Okay, I'm going to test this out tomorrow and see, <laughs> see if my energy is going to be different. And what do they say about breakfast? Did you wait like a couple of hours after you wake up? Is it right when you wake up? Does it say anything about that? Yeah, it would be a general time after you wake up. Like there's no intermittent fasting or anything like your sleep while you're sleeping. That's your fasting. So there's some things that you would be doing first and before you eat breakfast, but you should have breakfast in the morning. And Vata people in particular really need to force themselves to have breakfast. Many Vata people, they're the ones because their Agni is so much lower. Oftentimes, especially when they're out of balance, they don't get the message that they're hungry. And mm. so Vata people can go long, long, long periods without eating, not on purpose, but just like, well, I'm not that hungry or whatever. And that's one thing that I personally have to work really hard on is forcing myself to have breakfast. And when I do, I feel much better, but I often won't have my first meal until lunch and it's, I'm not hungry. Everybody should have breakfast, but Vatas have to work really hard to have their breakfast. And this can be a little different for some people in terms of your routine. So I like to point this out. So you use your tongue scraper in the morning. First thing, when you wake up after you've gone to the bathroom and the coating on the tongue a lot of people don't know our tongue is one of the largest detoxification organs in the body. And so when we're sleeping, there's this coating of toxins that come out through the tongue. And so the tongue scraper is then used in the morning to gently remove that layer of toxic matter. We call that ama in um, Ayurveda. And you remove that. If you're going to do oil pulling, you can do that. If you're not, just brush your teeth. And then the next step would be to drink your hot lemon water. So this is so important because it stimulates the digestion. So mm. it's waking up your body, it's hydrating, and it's getting the digestion going, it's getting the, the, the Agni going. And so then you have your breakfast after that. And I mean, you could make sweet potato toast with mashed avocado on it. You could have my favorite, the go-to in Ayurveda, which is oatmeal with ghee. And that's, you can't go wrong with that. But something warm that's going to kind of, feel good in your body. This was the part I was going to point out that's sometimes backwards for people. So you'll notice we cleaned the mouth before we ate or drank anything. So the toxins again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people will have their breakfast first and then brush their teeth after. But in Ayurveda, we actually want to clean the mouth first. And then if you want to brush your teeth again, because you have food in your teeth or whatever, like you can do that. I generally don't. I do all my oral hygiene first thing in the morning. And then I have breakfast and then if I'm trying to eat my breakfast and then go on with my day. Yeah, I actually started to use a tongue scraper about two years ago and it's changed my health so much. Like I'm never sick, really. And 
we started selling them in our shop as well because it's so simple. It takes such a little time in the morning just to scrape your tongue. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating. You can also see how stressed you are on your tongue if you like hold your jaw throughout the night. Or uh, I really see such a big difference <laughs> when I check out my tongue in the morning. I know. The body gives us so many clues on what's going on. Oh, it does. I mean, the body is screaming at us all the time. And (laughs) we are so in our heads just because we're so distracted all the time and we're so busy all the time. And the idea of Ayurveda is to slow down. I really like to consider it as a slow living revolution where the practices haven't changed that much in 5,000 years, but humans have changed a lot in that time period and our culture and our society has changed a lot. And so it still works today. Like it's still relevant and it's still just as important, but we've changed so much that we kind of miss that connection to the body. Like we're so disconnected from our body. And I think that's one of the really wonderful things of Ayurveda is it brings us back into ourself. We get really curious about what's happening. Like, oh, why do I feel that way? Or like, oh, why is this happening? And the goal then for all of us using Ayurveda in our homes is to start to connect the dots. Like, oh, okay, well, I feel this way. What did I eat yesterday? What was my routine like yesterday? How stressed am I? What's going on with my relationships? Like quality of relationships is also a big consideration in Ayurveda. We get so impacted by the energies around us. And I would say I talk a lot about this in my trainings and just in general, because I think it's so important is that many of us aren't taught emotional intelligence when we're younger and we kind of have to figure it out on our own. and. The emotional body, we could even talk in like yoga philosophy or Ayurveda as well, like the koshic system, the koshas, these energetic fields around us. We have an entire kosha that is our psycho-emotional health. And so this is where our emotions are stored. And Ayurveda says that when we avoid or repress our emotions, we're not just like ignoring them. (laughs) They are actually beginning to accumulate in our body. And at some point, if we don't process our emotions, they will manifest as physical illness. Mm. And that can be some kind of mental illness. It can be some kind of an emotional breakdown, or it could literally be like a physical illness. So we really want to start training ourselves to become more in tune with our vocabulary around emotions and how we talk about our emotions and how we're feeling in relationship to other people. So it's literally Ayurveda is every single part of our life. That's so fascinating. Yeah, and I think that's so important to mention how much our emotions affect our health, both in the positive way (laughs) when we take care of our emotional health and also, of course, when we neglect it and shove things, I think, a little bit under the carpet, our body will really show us. (laughs) It absolutely will. And then it's usually a much bigger problem by then. Wow. I'm feeling very inspired to kind of test this out tomorrow, especially with eating, see what happens when I change my lunch to be the biggest meal. That's going to be very interesting. I guess maybe I should give it a couple of days though, or do you think it's immediate? I think it takes a couple of days. And it also, every little thing you can do, I think is beneficial for sure. But everything's also interacting with everything else. So like, it doesn't do you that good if, for example, you have all your routines during the day. And then you have a really good lunch and then you go to bed super duper late. It's almost like this dance. You know, we're not trying to be perfect in how we practice Ayurveda. We're just trying to be more optimal than we were the day before. And Mm. so that's why I think it takes a few days because you have to kind of also be assessing the other things in your life as well. Like if you have a really busy work day, for example, and you have a deadline or you have something going on, like 
that's going to impact your stress level. That's going to impact your digestion. That's going to impact your sleep. And so it takes time to kind of get everything in a more stable position. Also, Ayurveda is not about quick fixes. Ayurveda is about longevity, longevity in our practice, but also longevity in our health. Ayurveda wants us all to be radiant, glowing 90-year-olds <laughs> who are healthy and able to still enjoy our life. And that's a very different perspective than the Western medicine. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very cute. <laughs> I, love, I love that thought that we all can touch our toes when we're 90 and <laughs> still feel great. Yeah, and have this generosity of spirit and have this curiosity still for life and I saw something the other day where they were talking with a doctor. It was an American doctor. And the doctor's like, yeah, in medical school, we're taught to look at the organs and parts of a body. Yeah. We're not taught to look at the holistic global overview of a human. Mm. And we are so complex and there's just so much happening at all times. And Ayurveda really looks at us as like the whole package. And so that's why it's really nice to kind of be like, oh, that's right. I'm more than just my kidneys and my liver. Yeah, for sure. That's very inspiring. And for those who want to learn more, where can they find your book when it comes out? I think it will come out very shortly after this podcast episode releases. Yeah, so it's available for pre-sale. It started yesterday, so I don't know when exactly this will be out, but it's the pre-sale is April 17th to May 8th. And then on May 8th, it will be available in bookstores and in many, many, many locations, which will be really exciting. And yeah, and I have my dosha quiz with that. And I have lots of other exciting things that are coming down the pipeline with Ayurveda. And also you can find me on Instagram, Jessica Winderl, and my website's jessicawinderl.com and atmanyogaschool.com. Amazing. And you're also going to guest our membership, the fourth Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go even more in depth and we're going to go have everybody take the quiz before, which I think is going to be so cool because then when we sit there and we're really going <laughs> to see like what we have to pay attention to. So if you're curious, it's possible to drop in on that. Uh, yeah. And we're going to be doing two quizzes. It's going to be even better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. And I think helping the world again, happier and healthier. I think it's so important. So yeah, and good yeah. luck with the finishing of everything. Thank you. Best. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It is just so like, I can talk about this all day, every day. And so I love <laughs> being able to share this with people and my hope and my goal is really that more people can find Ayurveda. Like it's not just for a few people. It's not just for the health nuts or the weirdos. Mm -hmm. It's for everybody and it can change your life. Like I have seen it time and time and time again, and it has absolutely unequivocally changed my life. And so I just, I get really excited and jazzed to talk about this and share it with people. And that's my goal. More people talking about Ayurveda. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Har du ett enkelt personföretag eller en liten bedrift? Då är er du säkert lei av att höra mig snacka om hur enkelt det är er med kvitteringar och bilag i Fiken. Så vi ger oss här vi. För vi liker enkelt. Fiken, superenkelt redskap. 